Good evening, and welcome to the Haunted Log Old Time Radio Mystery Theater presents... Suspense? Okay. Um, tonight... <laughs> Suspense. That's we're, as far as I got. Yeah? Suspense. We're, mm. we're giving you two episodes. We're going to do The Hitchhiker, starring Orson Welles, and... Sorry, wrong number. Sorry, wrong number, with Agnes Moorhead. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> tonight, I am joined by... Ryan. <laughs> nice. All right. Kirk. Ryan. And we're going to listen to two episodes, and we'll be right back to discuss it. So sit back, enjoy. The Columbia Network takes pleasure in bringing you Suspense. Columbia's parade of outstanding thrillers, produced and directed by William Spear and scored by Bernard Herrmann. The notable melodramas from stage and screen, fiction and radio, presented each week to bring you to the edge of your chair, to keep you in suspense. Good evening. This is Orson Welles. I'm very happy I am to be back in the United States and back on the Columbia Network, even for so short a visit as this one. Back with old friends like Johnny Dietz, who's tonight's director, and Bernard Herman. The Mercury Theater presented tonight's radio play for the first time last year. We came right out then and hailed it as a classic of the medium. Nobody argued the point. A lot of people asked us to do it again, so it's gratifying to get the chance now and to find a favorite of ours in this distinguished anthology of spook shows. Personally, I've never met anybody who didn't like a good ghost story. But I know a lot of people who think there are a lot of people who don't like a good ghost story. For the benefit of these, at least, I go on record at the outset of this evening's entertainment with a sober assurance that although blood may be curdled on this program, none will be spilt. There's no shooting, knifing, throttling, axing, or poisoning here. No clanking chains, no cobwebs, no bony and or hairy hands appearing from secret panels or, better yet, bedroom curtains. If it's any part of that dear old phosphorescent foolishness that people who don't like ghost stories don't like, then again, I promise you, we haven't got it. Not tonight. What we do have is a thriller. It's half as good as we think it is. You can call it a shocker. It's already been called a real Orson Welles story. Now, frankly, I don't know what this means. I've been on the air directing and acting in my own shows for quite a while now, and I don't suppose I've done more than half a dozen thrillers in all that time. Honestly, I don't think even that many, but it seems I do have a reputation for the uncanny. Quite possibly. A little escapade of mine involving a couple of planets, which shall be nameless, is responsible. Doesn't really matter... (laughs) Don't think I disapprove of thrillers. I don't. A story doesn't have to appeal to the heart. It can also appeal to the spine. Sometimes you want your heart to be warmed, and sometimes you want your spine to tingle. The tingling, it's to be hoped, will be quite audible as you listen tonight to The Hitchhiker. That's the name of our story, The Hitchhiker. (laughs) 
I'm in an auto camp on Route 66, just west of Gallup, New Mexico. If I tell it, perhaps it'll help me. Keep me from going, going crazy. I gotta tell this quickly. I'm not crazy now. I feel perfectly well, except that I'm running a slight temperature. My name is Ronald Adams. I'm 36 years of age. Unmarried, tall, dark, with a black mustache. I drive a 1940 Buick, license number 6Y175189. I was born in Brooklyn. All this I know. I know that I'm at this moment perfectly sane. That it's not me who's gone mad. It's something else. Something utterly beyond my control. I've got to speak quickly. At any minute, the link may break. This may be the last thing I ever tell on Earth. The last night I ever see the stars. Six days ago, I left Brooklyn to drive to California. Goodbye, son. Good luck to you, my boy. Goodbye, mother. Here, give me a kiss. And I'll go. I'll come out with you to the car. Oh, no, it's raining. Stay here at the door. Oh. <laughs> What's this? Tears? I thought you'd promise me you wouldn't cry. Oh, I know, dear. I... I'm sorry. But I... I do hate to see you well, I'll be back. It'll only be the, on the course three months. Oh, it isn't that. It's, it's just the trip. Ronald, I wish you weren't driving. Oh, Mother, there you go again. People do it every day. I know, but you'll be careful, won't you? Promise me you'll be extra careful. Don't fall asleep or drive fast or pick up any strangers on the road. Oh, gosh. I think I was still 17 here, you told me. Oh, and why? I mean, as soon as you get to Hollywood, won't you, son? Of course I will. Don't you worry. There's nothing going to happen. It's just eight days of perfectly simple driving on smooth, decent, civilized roads. With a hot dog or a hamburger stand every ten miles. I was in fine spirits drive ahead of me, even the loneliness seemed like a lark. I reckoned without him. Crossing Brooklyn Bridge that morning in the rain, I saw a man leaning against the cables. He seemed to be waiting for a lift. There were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. He was carrying a cheap overnight bag in one hand. He was thin, nondescript, with a cap pulled down over his eyes. I would have forgotten him completely, except that just an hour later, while crossing the Pulaski Skyway over the Jersey Flats, I saw him again. At least, he looked like the same person. He was standing now with one thumb pointing west. I couldn't figure out how he got there, but I thought probably one of those fast trucks had picked him up, beat me to the Skyway, and let him off. I didn't stop for him. And late that night... I saw him again. It's on the new Pennsylvania turnpike between Harrisburg and Pittsburgh. It's 265 miles long with a very high speed limit. I was just slowing down for one of the tunnels when I saw him. Standing under an arc light by the side of the road. I'd seen quite distinctly the bag, the cap, even the spots of fresh rain spattered over his shoulders. He hallooed at me this time. 
stepped on the gas like a shot. That's lonely country through the Alleghenies, and I had no intention of stopping. Besides the coincidences or whatever it was, neither the Willies. Stopped at the next gas station. Uh, fill her up. Certainly, sir. Check your oil, sir? No, thanks. Nice night, isn't it? Yes. It <laughs> uh, hasn't been raining here recently, has it? Not a drop of rain all week. Oh? Oh, I, I suppose that doesn't on your business any harm. Oh, people drive through here all kinds of weather. Mostly business, you know. There aren't many pleasure cars out on the turnpike this season of the year. I suppose not. What, uh, uh, uh what about hitchhikers? <laughs> hitchhikers here? What's the matter? Don't you ever see any? Not much. If we did, it'd be a sight for sore eyes. Why? Oh, a guy'd be a fool who started out to hitch rides on this road. Look at it. Then, you've never seen anybody? Nope. Maybe they get the lift before the turnpike starts. I mean, you know, just before the toll house. But then it'd be a mighty long ride. Most cars wouldn't want to pick up a guy for that long a ride. And you know, this is pretty lonesome country here. Mountains and woods. You ain't seen anybody like that, have you? Uh, no. Oh, no, not, not at all. I was just uh, a technical question. <laughs> I see. Well, that'll be just a dollar forty-nine with the tax. The thing gradually passed through my mind a sheer coincidence. I had a good night's sleep in Pittsburgh. I didn't think about the man all next day until... until just outside of Zanesville, Ohio, I saw him again. It was a bright, sunshiny afternoon. The peaceful Ohio fields... Brown with the autumn stubble lay dreaming in the golden light. I was driving slowly, drinking it in when the road suddenly ended in a detour in front of the barrier. He was standing. Now let me explain about his appearance before I go on. I repeat, there was nothing sinister about him. He was as drab as a mud fence, or was his attitude menacing? He merely stood there, waiting almost drooping a little, a cheap overnight bag in his hand. He looked as though he'd been waiting there for hours. And he looked up. He hailed me. He started to walk forward. Hello? 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 No, not just now, sorry. Going to California? No, not today. The other way, going to New York, sorry. got the car back on the road again, I felt like a fool. Yet the thought of <clears throat> picking him up, of having him sit beside me, was somehow unbearable. At the same time, I felt, more than ever, unspeakably alone. Hour after hour went by. Fields, the towns ticked off one by one. The light changed. I knew now that I was going to see him again. And though I dreaded the sight, I 
caught myself searching the side of the road, waiting for him to appear. sandwiches and pop here, don't you? Yeah, we do in the daytime. But we're closed up now for the I night. I know, but I was wondering if you could possibly have a cup of coffee, black coffee, just... No, not this time want... of night, mister. My wife's a cook. She's in bed. Oh, no, don't shut the door, please. Listen, just a minute ago... Uh, <laughs> just a minute ago, there was a man standing here right beside the stand, a suspicious-looking man. I, I don't mean to disturb it. You see, I was driving along when I just happened to look, and there he was. How was he doing? Well, nothing. You've been taking a nip. That's what you've been doing. Now, on your way before I call out your folks. I got into the car again and drove on slowly. It's getting to hate the car. If I could have found a place to stop, to rest a little. I was in the Ozark Mountains of Missouri now few resort places there were closed, only an occasional log cabin, seemingly deserted. That's all that broke the monotony of the wild, wooded landscape. I had seen him at that roadside stand. I knew I'd see him again. Maybe at the next turn of the road. I knew that when I saw him next, I would run him down. next afternoon. I stopped a car at a sleepy little junction just across the border into Oklahoma to let a train pass by when he appeared across the tracks, leaning against a telephone pole. Perfectly airless, dry day. The red clay of Oklahoma was baking under the southwestern sun. Yet there were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. I couldn't stand that. Without thinking, blindly, I started the car across the tracks. He didn't look up at me. He was staring at the ground. I stepped on the gas hard, bearing the wheel sharply toward him. I could hear the train in the distance now, but I didn't care. Then. Something went wrong with the car. The train was coming closer. I could hear its bell ringing and the cry of its whistle. Still, he stood there. And now I knew that he was beckoning, beckoning me to my death. Oh, I frustrated him that time. The starter worked at last. I managed to back up. When the train passed, he was gone. I was all alone in the hot, dry afternoon. After that, I knew I had to do something. I didn't know who this man was or what he wanted of me. I only knew that from now on, I mustn't let myself alone on the road for one minute. Uh, hello there. Like a ride? Well, what do you think? How far are you going? Uh, where do you want to go? 
Amarillo, Texas. I'll drive you there. Gee. Uh, you mind if I take off my shoes? My dogs are killing me. Go right ahead. Oh, gee, what a break this is. hitchhike much? Sure, only it's tough sometimes in these great open spaces to get the break. Uh, I should think it would be, though. I'll bet you get a good pickup in a fast car. If you did, you could get places faster than, say, another person in another car, couldn't you? I don't get you. Well, take me, for instance. Suppose I'm I'm driving across the country, say, at a nice steady clip about 45 miles an hour. Uh, couldn't couldn't a girl like you just standing beside the road waiting for Liz beat me to town, or any town, provided she got picked up every time in a car doing from 65 to 70 miles an hour? I don't know. What difference does it make? Oh, no difference. It's just a crazy idea I had sitting here in the car. <laughs> Imagine spending your time in a swell car thinking of things like that. What would you do instead? What would I do? If I was a good-looking fellow like yourself, why, I just enjoy myself every minute of the time. I'd sit back and, and relax. And if I saw a good-looking girl along the side of the road... Hey, look out! Did you see him? See who? A man standing beside the barbed wire fence. Oh, I didn't see anybody. I, it wasn't nothing but a bunch of cows and, and a wire fence. No? What did you think he was doing? Trying to run into the barbed wire. There's a man there, I tell you. A thin gray man with an overnight bag in his hand. And I, I was trying to run him down. Run him down? You mean kill him? Say so you didn't see him back there? You sure? I didn't see a soul. As far as watch I for him the next time and keep watching. Keep your eyes peeled on the road. He'll turn up again. Maybe any minute. There, look there. How does this door work? I, I'm getting out Did of here. Did you see him that time? No, I didn't see him that time. And personally, mister, I don't expect never to see him. All I want to do is go on living. I don't see how I will very long, driving with you. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't... I, I don't know what came over me, but please don't go. So if you'll excuse me... You Mr. can't go. Listen, how would you like to go to California? I'll drive you to California. Seeing pink elephants all the way? No, thanks. Uh-uh, thanks just the Listen, same. Listen, please, just just one minute, please. You know what I think you need, big boy? Not a girlfriend. Just a good dose of sleep. Please. There, I got it now. Now you can't go, please. Come Get your back. hands off me, do you hear me? Get your hands off She ran from me. As though I were a monster. A few minutes later, I saw a passing truck pick her up. I knew then that I was utterly alone. It was in the heart of the great Texas prairies. There wasn't a car on the road after the truck went by. I tried to figure out what to do, how to get hold of myself. I could find a place to rest, or even if I could sleep right here in the car for a few hours along the side of the road. I was getting my winter overcoat out of the back seat to use as a blanket when I saw him coming toward me, emerging from the herd of moving steer. Hello! I should have spoken to him then. Fought it out then and there. 
for now he began to be everywhere. Whenever I stopped, even for a moment, for gas, for oil, for a drink of pop, a cup of coffee, sandwich, he was there. I saw him standing outside the auto camp in Amarillo that night when I dared to slow down. He was sitting near the drinking fountain, a little camping spot just inside the border of New Mexico. He was waiting for me outside the Navajo Reservation where I stopped to check my tires. I saw him in Albuquerque when I bought 20 gallons of gas. I was... I was afraid to stop now. I began to drive faster and faster. I was... in... in lunar landscape now. The great arid Mesa country of New Mexico... I drove through it with the indifference of a fly crawling over the face of the moon. Now he didn't even wait for me to stop. Unless I drove at 85 miles an hour over those endless roads, he waited for me at every other mile. I'd see his figure, shadowless, flitting before me, still in the same attitude over the cold, lifeless ground, flitting over dried-up rivers, over broken stones cast up by old glacial upheavals, flitting in that pure and cloudless air. I was beside myself when I finally reached Gallup, New Mexico this morning. There's an auto camp here. Cold, almost deserted this time of year. I went inside and asked if there was a telephone. I had the feeling that if only I could speak to someone familiar, someone I loved, I could pull myself together. Your call, please. Long distance. Long distance, certainly. This is long distance. I'd like, uh, I'd like to put a, in a call to my home in Brooklyn, New York. I'm Ronald Adams. I'm a, the, the number is Beechwood 200828. Certainly. I will try to get it for you. Albuquerque. New York for Gallup. New York. Gallup, New Mexico, calling Beechwood 200828. I read somewhere that love could banish demons. The middle of the morning. I knew Mother'd be home. I pictured her tall and white haired in her crisp house dress, going about her tasks. Be enough, I thought, just to hear the even calmness of her voice. Will you please deposit three dollars and eighty-five cents for the first three minutes? When you have deposited a dollar and a half, will you wait until I have collected the money? Deposit another dollar and a half. Will you please deposit the remaining eighty five cents? Ready with Brooklyn. Go ahead, please. Hello? Hello? 
Mrs. Adams' residence. Hello, hello, Mother. This is Mrs. Adams' residence. Who is it you wish to speak to, please? What? Oh, who's this? This is Mrs. Winnie. Mrs. Winnie? I, I don't know any Mrs. Winnie. Is this Beechwood 208828? Yes. Uh, where, where's my mother? Where's Mrs. Adams? Mrs. Adams is not at home. She's still in the hospital. The hospital? Yes. Who the... is this calling, please? Is it a member of the family? Well, what's she in the hospital for? She's been prostrated for five days. Nervous breakdown. But who is Nervous calling? breakdown? Well, my grandmother never was nervous. It's all taken place since the death of her oldest son, Ronald. Death of her... Death of her oldest son, Ronald? Hey, what's this? What number is this? This is Beechwood 20828. It's all been very sudden. He was killed just six days ago in an automobile accident on the Brooklyn Bridge. Your three minutes are up, sir. Your three minutes are up, sir. Your three minutes are up, sir. And so... So I'm sitting here in this deserted auto camp in Gallup, New Mexico. I'm trying to think. Trying to get hold of myself. Otherwise, I... I'm going to go crazy. Outside, it's night. The vast, soulless night of New Mexico. A million stars are in the sky. Ahead of me stretch a thousand miles of empty mesa. Mountains. Prairies. Desert. Somewhere among them, he's waiting for me. Somewhere I shall know who he is and who I am. the hitchhiker, and to Orson Welles our considerable thanks for his playing of the title role. Mr. Welles, help wanted. Men, women, and children. Nature of work, hard, monotonous, back-breaking labor. Hours, 75 a week minimum. Pay, few cents an hour. Added inducement. Two meals a day, including several ounces of bad bread and a cup of thin soup. Don't delay. Apply at once. How'd you respond to a want ad like that, Mr. and Mrs. American working man and woman? You'd laugh, wouldn't you, and throw the paper in the trash basket. Dismiss the whole advertisement as some kind of a joke, but believe me, it's no joke. It's a simple statement of the working conditions that exist today in Nazi Germany and the conquered countries under Nazi rule. It's also an exact statement of the working conditions that will be imposed on you and every member of your family if the Nazis win this war. You yourself personally can stop them from winning, as you know. You don't have to give up your well-paid job to do it. You needn't have to be a soldier or a sailor or an airman or a nurse or a war worker to ensure American victory. Uncle Sam doesn't ask plain, ordinary, hard-working citizens like you to give him anything. All he asks, all this he does ask very seriously and very urgently, is that you loan him ten cents out of every dollar you make. 
That's all there is to it. Lend Uncle Sam a dime to win this war. And he'll pay you back with interest when he's won it. The easiest, most convenient way to lend him these dimes is to enroll in the payroll savings plan. Just tell your boss to deduct ten cents from every dollar he pays you and lend it to Uncle Sam in your name. Sign up for this simple savings plan today, and when victory comes, you will have war bonds in your pockets instead of Axis bonds on your wrists. Suspense will be heard again two weeks from tonight. Next Wednesday night, September 9th, the Columbia Broadcasting System will present over many of these stations at 9.30 p.m. Eastern wartime an address by W. Averill Harriman, the United States Land Lease Administrator in London. Mr. Harriman, as the personal representative of the President of the United States, attended the Moscow conferences between Winston Churchill and Joseph Stalin. Next Wednesday's broadcast will be Mr. Harriman's first public address since his return to this country. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. John Dietz was our guest director this evening. Tonight's radio drama was written by Lucille Fletcher. The original score was by Bernard Herrmann. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. The Man in Black, here again to introduce Columbia's program, Suspense. Our star tonight is one of the most compelling actresses in America today, Miss Agnes Moorhead. Miss Moorhead returns to our stage to appear in a new study in terror by Lucille Fletcher called Sorry, Wrong Number. This story of a woman who accidentally overheard a conversation with death and who strove frantically to prevent murder from claiming an innocent victim is tonight's tale of suspense. If you have been with us on these Tuesday nights, you will know that suspense is compounded of mystery and suspicion and dangerous adventure. In this series are tales calculated to intrigue you, to stir your nerves, to offer you a precarious situation and then withhold the solution until the last possible moment. And so it is with Sorry, Wrong Number and the performance of Agnes Moorhead, we again hope to keep you in suspense. Oh, dear. 
call, please. Operator, I've been dialing Murray Hill 70093 now for the last three quarters of an hour, and the line is always busy. I don't see how it could be busy that long. Will you try it for me, please? I'll be glad to try that number for you. One moment, please. I don't see how it could be busy all this time. It's my husband's office. He's working late tonight, and I'm all alone here in the house. My health is very poor, and I've been feeling so nervous all day. Ringing Murray Hill 70093. Hello? Hello? Uh, hello? Is Mr. Stevenson there? Hello? Hello? Yes, sir. This is George speaking. Hello. Who's this? What number am I calling, please? I'm here with our client now. He says the coast is clear for tonight. Yes, sir. Where are you now? In a phone booth. But don't worry. Everything's okay. Very well. Now, you know the address. At 11 o'clock, the private patrolman goes around to the bar on 2nd Avenue for a beer. Be sure that all the lights downstairs are, eh? There should be only one light visible from the street. At 11.15, a train crosses the bridge. It makes a noise in case her window is open and she should scream. Oh, hello. What number is this, please? Okay. I understand. Now make it quick. As little blood as possible, huh? Our client does not wish to make us suffer long. Will a knife be okay, sir? Yeah, a knife will be okay. And uh, do you remember the other detail? Yeah, yeah, I know. Remove the rings and bracelets and the jewelry in the bureau drawer. That's right. Our client wishes it to look like simple robbery. Don't worry. Everything is going to be okay. All right, then. Be sure to... Oh! Oh! Oh, how awful! How unspeakably awful! Your call, please. Operator, I, I, I've just been cut off. I'm sorry. What number were you calling? Why, it, it was supposed to be Murray Hill 70093, but it wasn't. Some wires must have got crossed. I was cut into a wrong number, and I, 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 I've just heard the most dreadful thing. Something about a murder. And, Operator, you'll simply have to retrace that call at once. I beg your pardon. May I help you? Oh, I, I know it was the wrong number, and I had no business listening, but these two men, they were cold-blooded fiends, and they were going to murder somebody, some poor innocent woman who was all alone in a house near a bridge, and we've got to stop them. We've got what to... What number were you calling, please? Well, that doesn't matter. This was a wrong number, and you dialed it for me, and we've got to find out what it was immediately. What number did you call? Oh, why are you so stupid? What time is it? Do you mean to tell me you can't find out what that number was just now? I'll connect you with the chief operator. Oh, I think it's perfectly shameful. Now, look, look, it was obviously a case of some little slip of the finger. I, I told you to try Murray Hill 70093 for me. You dialed it, but your finger must have slipped, and I was connected with some other number. A and I could hear them, but they couldn't hear me. Now, now, I simply fail to see why you couldn't make that same mistake again on, on purpose, why you couldn't try to dial Murray Hill 70093 in the same sort of careless way. Murray Hill 70093. I will try to get it for you. Thank you. I'm sorry. Murray Hill 70093 is busy. I will call you Operator. with 20... Operator! Operator! Uh, Operator, will you answer me? Your call, please. Well, you didn't try to get that wrong number at all. I asked you explicitly, and all you did was dial correctly. I'm sorry. 
Uh, what number are you calling? Oh, can't you for once forget what number I'm calling and do something for me? Now, I want to trace that call. It's my civic duty, it's your civic duty to trace that call and apprehend those dangerous killers. And if you won't... I will connect you with the chief operator. Please. Oh, Chief Operator, I want you to trace a call, a, a telephone call, immediately. I don't know where it came from or who was making it, but it's absolutely necessary that it be tracked down because it was about a murder that someone's planning. A, a terrible, cold-blooded murder of a poor, innocent woman. Tonight at 11.15. I see. Well, can you trace it for me? Can you track down those men? I'm not certain. It depends. Depends on what? It depends on whether the call is still going on. If it's a live call, we can trace it on the equipment. If it's been disconnected, we can't. Disconnected? If the parties have stopped talking to each other. Oh, but, but of course they must have stopped talking to each other by now. That was at least five minutes ago, and they didn't sound like the type who would make a long call. Well, I can try tracing it. May well, I have your name, please? Mrs. Stevenson. Mrs. Elbert Stevenson. Now, but, but listen... And your telephone number, please. Oh, you know, Plaza 42295. But if you go on wasting all this time... Why do you want the call traced, please? Why? Well... Oh, no reason. No reason. I, I mean, I, I merely felt very strongly that something ought to be done about it. These, these men sounded like killers. They're, they're dangerous. They're going to murder this woman at 11.15 tonight, and I thought the police ought to know. Have you reported this to, to the police? Well, no, no, not yet. You want this call checked purely as a private individual? Yes, yes, but meanwhile... I'm sorry, Mrs. Stevenson, but I'm afraid we couldn't make this check for you and trace the call just in your say-so as a private individual. Well, I... We'd have to do something more official. Oh, for heaven's sake. You mean to tell me I can't report that there's going to be a murder without getting tied up in all this red tape? Why, it's perfectly idiotic. Well, all right, all right. I'll call the police. Thank you. I'm sure that would be the best way to... It's ridiculous. It's perfectly ridiculous. All this red tape. Oh. Your call, please. Uh, the police department. Get me the police department, please. Thank you. Bringing the police department. Okay. station, Precinct 43, Sergeant Martin speaking. Police Department, uh, uh, this is Mrs. Stevenson, Mrs. Elbert Smythe Stevenson of 53 North Sutton Place. I'm calling up to report a murder. I, I mean, the murder hasn't been committed yet, but I, I, I just overheard plans for it over the telephone, over a wrong number that the operator gave me. I've been trying to trace down the call myself, but everybody is so stupid, and I, I guess in the end you're the only people who could do anything. Yes, ma'am. Well, it, it was a perfectly definite murder. I, I heard their plans distinctly. Uh, uh, two men were talking, and they were going to murder some woman at 11.15 tonight. Uh, she lived in a house near a bridge. Are you listening to me? Uh, 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 yes, ma'am. And there was a private patrolman on the street. He was going to go around for a beer on 2nd Avenue, and, and, and there was some third man, a, a client, who was uh, paying to have this poor woman murdered. They were going to take her rings and bracelets and, and, and use a knife. Well, it's, it's unnerved me dreadfully, and I'm not well. Uh, I see. And I... Uh, when was all this, ma'am? Uh, well, uh, about eight minutes ago. Oh, I, then you can do something. You do understand. Uh, what is your name, ma'am? Uh, Mrs. Stevenson, Mrs. Albert Stevenson. And your address? Uh, 53 North Sutton Place. 53 North Sutton Place. 
That's near a bridge. The, the Queensborough Bridge, you know. And, and, and we have a private patrolman on our street. And, and, and Second Avenue... And what was the number you were calling? Murray Hill 70093. But, but that wasn't the number I overheard. I, I mean, Murray Hill 70093 is my husband's office. He's, he's working late tonight, and I was trying to reach him to ask him to come home. I'm an invalid, you know, and uh, it's the maid's night off, and I hate to be alone, even though he says I'm perfectly safe as long as I have the telephone right beside my bed. Well, we'll look into it, Mrs. Stevenson, well, and we'll see if we can check it with the telephone company. But the telephone company said they couldn't check the call if the parties had stopped talking. I've already taken care of that. Oh, you have? Yes. And personally, I feel you ought to do something far more immediate and drastic than just check the call. What good does checking the call do if they stop talking? By the time you track it down, they'll already have committed the murder. Well, we'll take care of it. Don't you worry. Well, I'd say the whole thing calls for a search, a complete and thorough search of the whole city. Now, I'm very near the bridge, and I'm not far from 2nd Avenue, and I know I'd feel a lot better if, if you sent around a radio car to this neighborhood at once. And what makes you think the murder's going to be committed in your neighborhood, Oh, ma'am? well, I, I don't know. Only the coincidence is so horrible. 2nd Avenue and the uh, uh, patrolman and the bridge? 2nd uh, Avenue is a very long street, ma'am. I know it. And you know how many bridges there are in the city of New York alone. Oh. Not to mention Brooklyn, Staten Island, Queens, and the Bronx. I know. How do you know there isn't some little house out on Staten Island on some little 2nd Avenue you've never even heard about? Oh. How do you know they're even talking in, about New York at all? But I heard the call in the New York dialing system. Uh, maybe it was a long-distance call you overheard. Oh. Uh, telephones are funny things. Look, lady, why don't you look at it this way? Supposing you hadn't broken in on that telephone call. Supposing you'd got your husband the way you always do. You wouldn't be upset, would you? No, I suppose not. Only it, it, it sounded so inhuman, so cold-blooded. Well, a lot of murders are plotted in this city every day, ma'am. Well, we managed to prevent most all of them, but the clue of this kind is so vague. I... Isn't much more use to us than no clue at but all. But surely you... Unless, of course, uh, you have some reason for thinking this call was phony and that somebody may be planning to murder you. Me? Oh, you... Well, no, I hardly think so. Well, I, I mean, why should anybody? I, I, I'm alone all day and night. I, I see nobody except my maid, Eloise, and, and, and she's a big girl. She weighs 200 pounds. She's too lazy to bring up my breakfast tray. And the, and the only other person is my husband, Elbert. He's crazy about me. He just adores me. He waits on me hand and foot. Has scarcely left my side since I took sick. 12 years ago. Well, and there's nothing for you to worry about. Well, now, if you'll just leave the rest of this to us, we'll take care of it. what will you do? It's so late. It's nearly 11 now. We'll take care of it later. Well, will you broadcast it all over the city and send out squads and, and, and warn your radio cars to watch out, especially in suspicious neighborhoods like mine? Lady, I said we'd take care of it. I... Just now, I've got a couple of other matters here on my desk that require immediate attention. Good night, ma'am, and thank you. Oh, you, you <laughs> idiot. Oh. Oh, now, why did I hang up the phone like that? Now we don't think I am a fool. Oh, why doesn't Albert come home? Why doesn't he? No. Call, please. Operator, for heaven's sake, will you ring that Murray Hill 70093 number again? I can't think what's keeping him so long. I will try it for you. Well, try, try. Oh. So nervous. Why did you take so long? 
I will call you. I can hear it. You don't have to tell me. I know it's busy. Oh. Oh, if if I could only get out of this bed for a little while. If I could if I could get a breath of fresh air or just lean out of the window or or see the street. Hello, Albert? Hello? 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 Oh, what's the matter with this phone? Hello, hello. Hello? Hello? Oh, for heaven's sake, who is this? Hello? Hello, hello. Oh, are you trying to... Your call, please. Hello, operator. I don't know what's the matter with this telephone tonight, but it's positively driving me crazy. I've never seen such inefficient, miserable service. Now, 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 look. I'm an invalid, and I'm very nervous, and I'm not supposed to be annoyed. But if this keeps on much longer... What seems to be the trouble, please? Well, everything's wrong. I haven't had one bit of satisfaction out of one call I've made this evening. The whole world could be murdered for all you people care. And now, now my phone keeps ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing every five seconds or so. And when I pick it up, there's no one there. I'm sorry. If you will hang up, I will test it for you. I don't want you to test it for me. I want you to put that call through, whatever it is, at, at once. I'm afraid I cannot do that. You can't? And why? Why, may I ask? The dial system is automatic. Oh. If someone is trying to dial your number, there is no way to check whether the call is coming through the system or not. Oh, th- unless the person who is trying to reach you complains to his particular operator. Well, of all this stupid... And meanwhile, I've got to sit here in my bed suffering every time that phone rings, imagining everything. I will try to check the trouble for check you. Check it, check it. That's all anybody can do. Oh, what's the use of talking to you? You're stupid. <gasps> I'll fix her. Of all the impudence... Oh, how dare she speak to me like that? How dare she speak to me like that? Oh. Oh. She answered. Your call, please. Young woman, I don't know your name. But there are ways of finding you out. And I'm going to report you to your superiors for the most unpardonable rudeness and insolence that has ever been my privilege. Give me the business office at once. You may dial that number direct. Dial it direct? I'll do no such thing. I don't even know the number. The number is in the directory, or you may secure it by dialing information. Now listen here, you... Oh, what's the use? Oh, dear. Oh, for heaven's sake, I'm going out of my mind. Not a... Hello? Hello? Stop ringing me, do you hear? Answer me. Who is this? You realize you're driving me crazy? Who's calling me? What are you doing it for? Now stop it, stop it, stop it, I say. Hello? Hello? If you don't stop ringing me, I'm going to call the police, do you hear? The police! (laughs) Oh, if Albert would only come home. (laughs) Oh, let it ring. Let it go on ringing. It's a trick of some kind. And I won't answer it. I won't. I won't, even if it goes on ringing all night. (laughs) Now, what's the matter? Why do they stop ringing all of a sudden? What time is it? Oh, where did I put that clock? 
5 to 11. Oh, oh they've decided something. They're sure I'm home. They heard my voice answer them just now. That's why they've been ringing me. Why no one has answered me. Call that operator again. Oh, oh where is she? Why doesn't she answer? Oh, operator. Why doesn't she answer? Your call, please. Where were you just now? Why didn't you answer at once? Give me the police department. I'm sorry. Just a minute. Oh. Oh. I'm sorry. The line is busy. I will call you. Busy? Busy? But that's impossible. The police department can't be busy. There must be other lines available. The line is busy. I will try to get them for you later. No, no. I've got to speak to them now or it may be too late. I've got to talk to someone. What number do you wish to speak to? I don't know, but there must be someone to protect people beside the police department. A, a, a detective agency. A, a... Uh, you will find agencies listed in the classified directory. But I don't have a classified directory. I, 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 I mean, I'm too nervous to I look it up. I will connect you with information. Know. Perhaps she will be able to help you. No, no. Oh, you're being spiteful, aren't you? You don't care, do you, what happens to me? I could die and you wouldn't care. <laughs> oh, stop it. Stop it. I can't stand anymore. Hello? What do you want? Stop ringing, will you? Stop it. Hello? Is this Plaza 42295? Uh, yes, I'm... I'm sorry. Yes, this is Plaza 42295. This is Western Union. Uh, I have a telegram here for Mrs. Albert Stevenson. Uh, is there anyone there to receive the message? Yes, I'm Mrs. Stevenson. The telegram is as follows. Mrs. Albert Stevenson, 53 North Sutton Place, New York, New York. Darling, terribly sorry. Tried to get you for last hour, but line busy. Oh. Leaving for Boston, 11 oh. p.m. tonight on urgent business. Back tomorrow afternoon. Keep happy. Love, signed, Albert. Oh, no. Do you wish us to deliver a copy of the message? No. No, thank you. Thank you, madam. Good night. Good night. Oh. Oh. oh, no. No, I don't believe it. He couldn't do it, not when he knows I'll be all alone. It's some trick. It's some trick. Some fiendish, some fiendish trick. I know. Oh, I'm so nervous. Operator, try that Murray Hill 70093 number for me just once more, please. You may dial that number direct.
care what he says or what the expense is. I'm a sick woman. I'm entitled. This is information. May I help you? Uh, I, I want the telephone number of Henchley Hospital. Henchley Hospital? Yes. Do you have the street address? No, no, it's somewhere in the 70s. It's a very small, uh, private and exclusive hospital where I had my appendix out two years ago. Henschley, H-E-N-C-A. Will you please hurry and... Please, what is the time? You may find out the time by dialing Meridian 71212. Oh, for heaven's sake, I've no time to be dialing. The number of Henschley Hospital is Butterfield 70105. Butterfield 70105. Henchley Hospital, good evening. Nurses Registry. Who was it you wished to speak to, please? I want the nurses registry at once. I I I want a trained nurse. I want to hire immediately for the night. I see. And what is the nature of the case, madam? Nerves. I, I, I'm very nervous. I, I need soothing and, and companionship. You, you see, my husband is away, and I'm Have also... Have you been recommended to us by any doctor in particular, madam? No, but I really don't see why all this catechizing is necessary. I, I, I just want a trained nurse. I was a patient in your hospital two years ago, and after all, I, I do expect to pay this person for attending me. Well, we quite understand that, madam, but these are war times, you know. I know that. Registered nurses are very scarce just now, and our superintendent has asked us to send people out <laughs> only on cases where the physician in charge feels it's absolutely necessary. Well, it is absolutely necessary. I'm a sick woman. I'm, I'm very much upset, very I'm alone in this house, and I'm an invalid, and, and, and tonight I overheard a telephone conversation that upset me dreadfully. In fact, if, if someone doesn't come at once, I'm afraid I'll go out of my mind. I see. Well, I'll speak to Miss Phillips as soon as she comes in. And what is your name, ma'am? Miss Phillips? And when do you expect her in? I really couldn't say. She went out to supper at 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock? But it's, it's not 11 o'clock yet. Oh, Oh, my clock has stopped. I thought it was running down. What time is it? Just just 15 minutes past 11. What was that? What was what, madam? That, that click just now in my own telephone. As though someone had lifted the receiver off the hook of the extension telephone downstairs. Well, I didn't hear it, madam. Now, about this... But I, I did. There's, there's someone in this house. Someone downstairs in the kitchen. And they're, they're listening to me now. They're listening... <coughs> Someone who's going to murder me. 
And, and you've got to get in touch with... You've got... Oh, oh, there it is. There it is. Did you hear it? He's, he's put it down. He's put down the extension phone. He's coming up. Ah! He's coming upstairs. Okay, give me the police department. The police department. Give me the police department. One moment, please. I will connect you. I can hear him. Oh, I can hear him. He's coming nearer. Oh, I know it. Hurry. Hurry. Hurry, please. Police Department. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Must have got the wrong number. Precinct 43, Sergeant Martin speaking. Police Department, Martin speaking. Police Department, Martin speaking. Oh, Police Department? Police Department. I'm sorry, must have got the wrong number. D don't worry. Everything's okay. <laughs> So closes Sorry, Wrong Number, starring Agnes Moorhead, tonight's tale of suspense. This is your narrator, the man in black, who conveys to you Columbia's invitation to spend this half hour in suspense with us again next Tuesday when Mr. Donald Crisp and Mr. John Loder will star in the suspense play called The Extra Guest. The producer of these broadcasts is William Spear, who with Ted Bliss, the director, Lud Gluskin, the musical director, and Lucille Fletcher, the author, collaborated on tonight's Suspense. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. All right. So... You want to talk about The Hitchhiker first? Or do you want to talk about Sorry, Wrong Number? Let's start with Sorry, Wrong Number. Okay. So, let's talk about Agnes Moorhead for a second. <laughs> um, so, she started out, you know, she couldn't find a job, pretty much. She she said that she, at one time in her life, that she ate every four days. Like, she learned the value of money, the That's value crazy. of living thrifty, and then she met Orson Welles and he brought her to the Mercury Theater where she met him and Joseph Cotton and they worked for a long time. And then she became Margot Lane on the shadow opposite Orson Welles. And then Orson Welles and Joseph Cotton starred in a little movie called Citizen Kane and they brought Agnes Moorhead to play a little movie. Kane's mother. Isn't that a That's like, like the one of the greatest movies place. of all time. <laughs> Yeah, it's about a citizen named Kane. Right. And his yes, I've dog, seen Rosebud. I, yes. I've seen it, yes. Okay. That's Spoilers. Just, I was just joking. <laughs> um, like, it's a citizen, and his name's Kane. Later on, she played Endora on Bewitched, and she performed Sorry, Wrong Number, this is insane, six more times on the radio. 
And she continued to do it throughout her life. Like they would be like, she'd just go and just do a monologue from this. It's like her most famous thing that she ever did. Other than, well, it's her most famous radio play. Right. Okay. Now after we know a little bit about Agnes Moorhead, are you ever going to forget that phone number that she constantly referenced in this? Murray Hill 70093. <laughs> yeah. That I thought this this was very good. I I liked how it was mainly a one person show. You had a couple other voices in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you had like two radio operators, the police officer, and the villains. You know, and I remember when operators were a thing, and you had to call them for certain things. Now, I mean, that was a little bit before my time, but one, I do remember one that. ringy dingy, two ringy dingies. Sorry, Lily Tomlin laughing. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> but I, I I remember all that, and so I it made sense to me. My biggest problem with it was by the time I got about halfway through it, I was so sick of the operator's voices. Really? I can only handle so much Jersey accent hmm. for so long. And I'm like, stop hey, calling them. What are you Just talking stop about? Stop calling them. You know you're going to get it. Just die. <laughs> what you got against? What do you got against? They got Jersey boys, huh? Jersey girls, huh? What are you talking about? Uh, it was just... But she was such a pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. Like, she played it so perfectly. Oh. Like, why are you so stupid? Like, yeah. to everybody. Like, yeah. just a mean old bitch. And but, it, <laughs> you know, she had to give her story to everybody, too. Mm -hmm. It was just, you know, and I I can appreciate, because I knew where it was going with. Oh, right. Right away, I also knew the, you know, she was supposed to be playing that part. And she's like, well, my husband loves me. And he's, I'm like. Really? You've been sick and in bed for 12 years acting just this way? Can you imagine? <laughs> like, Are you sure? But um, <laughs> I don't fully, I, I guess where I got a little bit confused because I'm not sure how that all worked was the, how she got heard the call, but couldn't be heard mm -hmm. kind of thing. That part didn't make a lot of sense to me because right. I'm, again, I don't know that part of it, but I'm like, the second I heard that, I'm like, Oh, they're going to smoke her. They're right. going to get her. Yep. <laughs> so what I think was happening is they were at the husband's um, office. Office. Like the main, the, mm -hmm. the guy that was planning the hit with the husband was there calling the guy that was going to do it. And she intercepted that part because somehow like in the, that time, like the lines could get crossed. And you could hear okay. other, other voices and stuff. So she got a hold of that. She didn't put it together. Like her husband was planning on murdering her. Like, you would have thought she would have got it when she called the cops to s explain the whole thing. And she's like, and I live by a hill and railroad tracks and nobody's home. And, and there's a cop <laughs> that walks around and has a beer at the corner. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, seriously, how dense are you? <laughs> <laughs> but that's why it was, the story has problems, but I love her in it. Yeah. Like, yeah. she was so good. Like, no, I have... you forget that she's just sitting at a microphone. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you. In your mind, it just takes over, and you're thinking of this old lady in a bed, and oh, absolutely, and she's got one of those old phones that she has to like lift the like the the receiver up and hold it into her face. Mm -hmm. The kind that you would put yep. to your ear, and then you'd have to click the yep, the, like on Green Acres when you climb the pole. Yep, click, click, <laughs> click it three times to get the operator. 
and then you you hear like the the res- give me four five seven six please like the receiver downstairs pick up yeah and she's like they're listening in and it's like well don't call anybody and she calls people again and it's like oh you're gonna get it and then yeah she gets it but no i, I the only part of that whole show that really bugged me was just the operator's voice mm-hmm. after so many times right you know like a halfway through but otherwise the rest of it was absolutely fantastic yeah i really like this one mm-hmm. i'm glad I, I i wanted to share this one with you guys but kirk never listened to it so i shared it with ryan i'm so. gonna listen to it merry christmas <laughs> <laughs> oh god i won't hear the end of this one. no <laughs> i listened to the wrong episodes and i didn't listen to this one so <laughs> all right so we can move on to good thing we're family <laughs> the Hitchhiker with Orson Welles. <laughs> so I got this on a cassette when I was a kid, and I thought it was just going to be the old TV show, The Hitcher. So I was <laughs> like, what is this? Is this The Shadow? You know, playing right. somebody else? And not knowing that Orson Welles did anything else other than... But so I heard this, and I was like, this is awesome. It it has a switch ending to it. I could not imagine driving from New York to Hollywood at 45 miles per hour. Oh my god, that would be horrible. He said it would take him six days to get there. Six days. And his mom was like, don't drive too fast. Don't fall asleep. It's like, how can he not? I've never (laughs) been to one end of the other of the country, but I've been from here in Omaha to New York. Mm -hmm. And that's not very fun at 65 miles an hour. 45. He said he was driving a a steady clip of 45 miles per hour. And I was like, damn. No way. I understand you're just getting out of horses, but um, (laughs) cars are kind of new. They've only been around for 20 years, but. Oh, wow. No way, man. Wow. 45 Um, miles an hour. There was a nice little dig at um, Alfred Hitchcock in the beginning. Did you catch that? Now I've got to, now I've got to listen to it. Like uh, Orson's talking about the show and right. how it's it's a real Orson Wellian kind of show and how we're not going to do there's other producers who don't want to do ghost stories because they don't like ghost stories and they have the yeah. Orson or the the Alfred Hitchcock music in the background. Oh, see I I yeah. listened to it and I even heard the music and didn't I didn't put two and two together. But what's funny is the first episode of Suspense is by Alfred Hitchcock. So they're giving a little dig to Alfred on the show that he helped them build. (laughs) (laughs) What's funny about this one, so um, if you ever read H.P. Lovecraft, H.P. Lovecraft is narrated by a survivor, right? So there's there's really no worry about that character because you know he's going to survive. Right. This one is narrated by the victim. And it's such a dead victim. (laughs) 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 So you're like, that is... A very weird twist. Yeah. And it's because throughout it, they have somebody else playing the ghost. And you're like, okay, so it's just a ghost. It's got a different voice. Mm-hmm. And no, it's, it's, but okay. So my favorite part, right? The favorite part is when he pulls over and he picks up the girl hitchhiker. And she's like, if I was a handsome man like you, I'd enjoy the ride. I'd sit back. Enjoy the view, and if there was a pretty girl on the side of the road, I'd pick her up, and I'd... And then, and then it's like, do what? Do what? <laughs> Come on, keep going! <laughs> because as soon as she says that, he tries to run down the ghost. <laughs> and she's like, ah, God, get me out of here! <laughs> right? It's like, But she was, like, coming on to him hard. 
And it was just so funny because it was just like, so again, got all the way to the, towards the end of it. I thought I knew where this one was going. Mm -hmm. And I even told you, did not see this coming, but he does stop and get gas. He talks to the gas attendant. Mm -hmm. They talk about hitchhikers. Yep. He picks up the girl. Now I'm not, I can't, you know, picturing a map in my head, New York to Hollywood, straightest way to get there is straight across mm-hmm. not going all the way down into texas he there was no real at the time there was no interstates that came yeah, out no, Route 66 route 66 you had to get chicago and it took you south, took you south. Yeah, but it goes through oklahoma not right. texas right but he, he picked her up and was like i'll take you wherever you want to go yeah that's it's, not, like, it's not like now Amarillo, where texas in interstate 80 that done. you jump on right. and go all the way through right. Yeah, when he picked her up, she was like, Amarillo, Texas? He's like, I'm taking you there. Because <laughs> he doesn't want to be alone. So their interactions with him, our interaction, they were interacting with the ghost. Right. That part threw me off just a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. So I'm like... Yeah, because you think about how many people he talked to. Yeah. Right. And then he even makes the phone call. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so he's, he's probably either bad writing... Or he's just incredibly powerful ghost. <laughs> yeah. I, and I just, you know, again, I've got to try to put myself back into that time frame when this, you know, because like you said, they didn't have all those straight roads now that they got, like, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I kind of think about it in more modern terms. So I was like, yeah. Okay, yeah, we're talking like two lane highways the entire yeah. time. Two lane highways and a lot of back roads. Yeah. And yeah, we didn't yeah. have interstates till like, the 50s yeah no it, it was really good i got a little panicked when he made the phone call and operators got on the phone because i listened to the first one <laughs> and you're like hey like, what's oh, the matter with you huh <laughs> but, at least they uh, did it really quick yeah it was very quick i'm like okay i can handle this um but no it was fantastic i loved it i i didn't see it coming i liked the idea of it i did feel like it was very much like an alfred hitchcock film with that with twist. switch. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's great. So a little bit of nerdy background for me. Two times in high school, we had to do this play in class. And nobody else knew the thing. And I have, I have it memorized in my head on how to do this. And everybody was like, oh, where are you going? You know, I'll take you wherever you want to go. Amarillo, Texas. All right. Come in. Come on. Let's go. And I did it like this. And everybody looked at me like I was a complete freak when I was done. <laughs> and I was like, you don't know the story? You really don't know the story? What no. class was that? It was like American literature and then some creative writing class. Okay. Awesome. And we had to do the hitchhiker and then we had to do like the monkey's paw and all this other crap. Oh, right? I did that. I, yeah. I took that class. And yeah, we had to do the hitchhiker. And I was just like over the top. <laughs> that's awesome the class though. was like well whoa you're a weirdo have you yeah. ever heard of ray stevens the comedy singer mm-hmm. yeah the streak pirates of penzance yeah i did that for a speech class the pirate we did song a pirate song yeah me and another kid did it and we acted it out oh my god <laughs> and we got a hundred percent because we had the teacher on the floor pissing herself laughing yeah. so hard oh my god so yeah i've been i've done over the top things yeah. too <laughs> But yeah, so um, next week we start the shadow. All right. Unless you guys want to do some more suspense. But well, we can throw suspense in every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah.
So we don't have to do. I promise to do my homework. Okay. All right. So I will uh, figure out some episodes of the Shadow and let you guys know which ones. The Perfect. holidays are over. Yeah. Good. So I can spend more time doing things like listening to old time <laughs> radio shows. It's funny. So the. So I hope you guys enjoyed. I love a mystery. Maybe we'll come back to that later sometime. And then we're gonna hit the shadow now. So, all right. It's been Nick, Kurt, Ryan. See you guys later.